in three, two, one. Welcome to another edition of the Mind Jam podcast. I'm here with my host, Dr. Karen Becker, and we have an incredible guest for you today. The legendary Susan Michaels, who puts together on a global scale, the largest pets and pop culture event. If you haven't heard of CatCon, you're probably living somewhere else on another planet. Susan Michaels, how are you? Hi, guys. What's up? How you doing? I want you to explain for the people that are listening out there right now, maybe that one person who's never heard of it, what CatCon actually is. Sure. No problem. We've been dubbed Comic-Con for cat people. We are the epitome of pet and pop culture combined. There's no in real life dog park for the cat person. Really, there's no in real life community. And in creating CatCon, we had the ability to bring people together from all over the world. It is experience, education, information, all in one place. And you're bringing in like sports stadium numbers. Like the last event, how many people attended that? Last event, we had 16,000 people. We were at a convention center in Los Angeles, and it was completely jammed from morning to night. People come from all over the world to for like meets like to talk about their animals, whether it is to talk about, hey, my kitty has this problem. Does your cat have this problem? Or just to say, here's a picture of my cat on the phone. It's so nice to finally see you in person. And Susan, what's, what was the inspiration? I know that you're quite passionate about all animals, but you love yeah. kitties. What was the inspiration behind CatCon? Well, you know, my background is in television production, film production, and journalism. And one of the things I did for a really long time, for about 10 years, was I covered art and culture for outlets like Wall Street Journal, Vanity Fair, Huffington Post. And I saw that there was a void for the cat person, recognizing specifically a younger demo. People think of the cat person as the sort of Grey Gardens, Miss Havisham, spinster, cat hoarder, smells like cat piss kind of person. So I created, based on my relationships with various artists, I created something called Cat Art Show. And what that was, that happened in 2014. I asked various artists from around the world to create their renditions of Cats' Muse. So my headliner for that year was Shepard Fairey. Shepard Fairey did the Obama Hope poster back in, I think it was 2008, that show, I had 100 works of art, and 4,000 people came in four days. And almost all of them were this millennial group. It was artists, art lovers, hipsters, celebrities. And I thought, where are these people coming from? And yeah. I did a lot more research, and I saw that there were all these products out there and all these wonderful speakers and talent and celebrities. This Remember, this is at the beginning of 2014. This is really at the advent and the rise of the celebricat. And I realized between those entities, both human and feline, and all these groovy products for, for cat people, I was like, oh my God, these people are so underserved. And so I created CatCon. Now, let me tell you, I still had a full-time job. Um, in entertainment. So I did this at night and on the weekends. And the first year, 12,000 people showed up. Holy smokes. And two weeks later, I quit my job <laughs> of 12 years. So this event has been growing and growing. And I can only imagine what you had planned this year. And then, well, 
you know. Yes, we were going to move to a bigger venue this year. This August, we were going to be at the LA Convention Center. We expected 20,000 and we had to make a decision. We had to make a decision. We had to look at safety. We had to look at, you know, where we are in the world. And we decided to go online. And so now this October, we are doing CatCon from your couch on a private platform. The basis of CatCon is community. It is always community. It always has been community. And I think what we have now with this pandemic, as horrible as it is, is there's an opportunity for a reset, for a mental reset for us to think about what's really important and how we can support each other and listen to one another and support our animal friends. Because if we don't get through this, we ain't got nothing. We, yeah. I mean, we've got each other in this virtual capacity and it's so nice to finally see you guys face to face, even you know through a screen. But what can we do to facilitate those relationships with our fellow humans and with our animals to make it more beneficial for all of us. So in this reimagination of CatCon, to CatCon from your couch, you can come to CatCon with your cat, you can sit on your couch, you can have your snacks, you don't have to stand in line like you normally would for two to three hours. And we are going to focus on you, shelters, us as a community. So Yes, it's still entertainment, education, and information, but it's financially. So what I'm doing is we are working to select six organizations in the U.S. and the U.K., maybe even Australia. We've got various adoption groups. We're going to hope to get kitties adopted. Typically at CatCon, we get up to 200 cats and kittens adopted during the weekend. The other groups that we're supporting are Red Rover, who focuses heavily on disaster relief and uh, people that are in domestic abuse situations, which you probably know that 48% of people in domestic abuse situations do not leave because of their animals. And then also Lux Paws, which focuses heavily on TNR. We're doing a lecture specifically about spay and neutering, that if we don't address the overpopulation problem from the get-go, the TNR thing is just going to go on. It's going to be a domino effect. So tickets to CatCon are going to be 20 bucks, but $5 of every ticket is going to go to these six organizations wow. across the United States. That's sort of the all-encompassing entity that CatCon is, that I'm trying to cover all these different things, awareness, financial break for somebody, products, you know, information, all these things to get to the consumer. So I'm really trying to create this haven for the animal person, because 30% of our population of our CatCon followers also have dogs. Okay. So this year then you're, for this online event, you probably have like a star cast group of people that are going to be there. Give me a little bit of a rundown of these people that will be in attendance. In years past, we've had Angela Kinsey from The Office in the past, Ian Summerhalder, Mike Bialik from Big Bang Theory. This year we have a stellar lineup. This year we have Norman Reedus from The Walking Dead. He will be in conversation with Mick Rock. Mick Rock is this famed photographer who is most famous for shooting David Bowie during the Ziggy Stardust years. Amazing rock and roll photographer. So I'm going to be doing cat chat with Mick and Norman. We also have the firemen of Australia. So the biggest calendar in the world is the Australian firefighters with kittens. Then on the feline front, we have cats from all over the world. We have Nala Cat, who is the biggest cat on the internet. Merlin Ragdoll, who is Canadian. Yeah. We also have the biggest Canadian cat right now, Smudge Lord. 
We have a series of comedians coming on to do cat comedy, Gareth Reynolds and Rich Williams. Currently, we have 35 talent with a following of 40 million followers. This is quite extravagant. If I wanted to buy my ticket today, Susan, where would I go to buy my ticket? You would go to catconworldwide.com. There is a number of buttons that you can push that will get you your ticket. And remember that $5 of every single one of those tickets will go to various charity organizations across the US, the UK, and Australia. Now, I do want to say this because you were talking about the firemen with the kittens, right? Which I'm sure you're half probably, naked, which half I'm sure naked you're firemen about. with kitchens. Yes, because there's a difference between just firemen and kittens and half naked firemen. I kittens. want to get your take on this, Susan. What's your take on that with like men and cats? There was a study that was published by a dating site that was trying to tell men never to pose with a cat in their dating picture because they said the research studies found that females would not find men very attractive. They were the least likely to get dates. Now, of course, this is a study and this was funded by, of course, a dating app. What's your take on this? This goes back to the stigma of the cat lady. It's preconceived notions about pet ownership. The dog is man's best friend, right? We don't have that for the cat person. You're a cat lady. You can't be a cat dude. A number of years ago, I was interviewed by a journalist for a publication, which I cannot mention, and they asked me what I thought about men and cats, and I said, I think they're great. What do you mean? And she insinuated that those gentlemen who love the feline are less than. That was the insinuation. And, you know, we, we did a lecture for a number of years called Men and Cats, A Love Story to tackle this issue, and we had a guy that actually came on and said... Um, his cat's name is Catstradamus, and he said that he was on Tinder or Bumble or something like that, and he had this great conversation with, the, with this woman via text, and as soon as he said that he had a cat, she blocked him. I'm just stupefied by this, because from my perspective, both from my 25 years at a kill shelter, but also as a veterinarian, I... First of all, cats are magical, supernatural beings that are highly intellectual and smart. And people that get that are oftentimes in that same vein. Men that like cats are the men that we should be seeking out. I find it odd. I just find it very strange that there's this perpetuating stigma associated with men and cats. Yeah, I mean, but there's also the great divide between cats and dogs. Are you a cat person or are you a dog person? And I think we have to look at the bigger picture here about what animals do for us. The unconditional bond, the unconditional love that they can offer us. They don't care if you're fat, thin, rich, poor, right? Animals are animals and they love you no matter what. And I I really, you know, I want to delve deeper into why there is this divide and, and what is the stigma here. And I think that, you know, men and cats get a bum rap just like women and cats get a bum rap. What's really interesting is the cat ownership population in Australia is enormous from the male side of things. 50% of all owners are men. I think it's much like when I started CatCon, it was to debunk the cat lady myth. I think only through awareness and information and this continual push about what it means to be a cat owner, male or female, is going to change the perception. That's the only way it's going to happen. I do want to say this to switch gears here. One of the things that I hear all the time, if you have a dog and you have a cat, and let's say when it comes to nutrition, for instance, if you're feeding your pet, it always seems like people go over and above for the dog. But the cat always gets a short end of the stick. Do you totally know what I mean? Agree. There was a recent study that came out, and this was a, a global survey that was done. I know Dr. Sarah Dodds had done that. And it was pertaining to 
feeding rituals, feeding habits globally around the world. And what they found was, which was refreshing, was that there was only 13% of the world population that was actually left of people that just fed ultra-processed food. 13%. That means 87% of people globally were offering their pets more than just ultra-processed foods. They were putting fresh, whole, live foods into those bowls. A little bit of diversity. A little bit of diversity. Which is good. But if you were to then break down that study and you were to look at the panel, remember we were looking at it the other day? This is sad. It was the dogs who led, categorically speaking, all categories of the animal that was offered a different variety of foods rather than just ultra-processed foods, but offer fresh foods. And cats had like like the bottom of the barrel, meaning it's always that same terminology. I'll go, I'll spend all the money that I can. I'll go buy all the supplements. I'll go buy all the herbs. I'll chop up all the vegetables, chop up my meats, feed it to my dog. Ah, my cat, it's fine. I just buy him food from the grocery store. He's okay with that. But we see see that across the board. When it comes to veterinary medicine, we're like, hey, listen, it's really important that as your cat ages, we see them to make sure that that kidney function is where we want it to be, to make sure that they're lean body mass. And we just, we don't have kitties showing up for wellness visits. We don't have products and resources and supplements and adequate food. We don't have medical research. We don't have nutrition research. We just, we don't have anything for kitties compared to dogs. Yeah. People are a lot less inclined to take their cats to the vet in general. Um, you know what you have too, I think it's, this also goes back to a matter of animal personality. My dog, if he has a hangnail, he'll cry. My cat, cats are traditionally, and you know, this as a vet, cats are stoic. They don't show when something is wrong. They really keep it in they are less likely to let you know if, 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 they're, if they're showing things, if they're ill. But cat owners have, at least with research, been demonstrated to be more intelligent than dog owners. They have more degrees or they're more educated. But then my thought is if we've got smarter cat owners, which research says that cat owners are smarter, why don't they understand the logical conversation of kitties are masters at hiding illness, pain, and disease degeneration? We're talking to highly intelligent owners or pet parents, whatever you want to call them. Why aren't they recognizing the disconnect of, okay, I have a very stoic creature. I need to do this anyway. I think this goes back to what we were talking about um, earlier on the great divide of how much awareness and money is thrown into the pet industry for cat versus dog. It's, It's all the marketing money. The majority of the marketing money goes to dog. So if the money is going towards dog sales, dog nutrition, things for dogs, the cat is getting the short end of the stick because the money is not being dedicated to cat owners, to cat resources, to awareness, to nutrition, to litter practices, to health, to insurance. I think it's really a domino effect here that we're talking about in terms of dominating the industry in yeah. in a number of different categories that has a ripple effect. And that was part of the reason that I created CatCon, because I saw an opportunity to generate this awareness. I mean, one of the things that we're doing in October is with Dr. Ernie Ward, we're doing this lecture about the chonky cat. So many cats in the United States are obese. So he is going to break it down about how obesity happens in cats, what we can do to prevent obesity in cats, all those things. And we're going to have this cat on named Chonky Mr. B. 
And Chonky Mr. B has been going through his weight loss journey, and he's going to talk with the owner about how they have healthfully helped that cat lose weight because, as you said, it will have the ripple effect of liver disease, kidney disease, God knows what else, anything that's going to be degenerative in the longevity of the life of your cat. Another aspect to it, especially with pet parents today, is the addictive personality of the cat. Do you remember the study that if you are actually feeding them a certain variation of food, so let's say you were feeding cat like dry food for the first seven months of his life, it was almost virtually impossible to get him to eat canned food. That if you weren't offering the cat a multitude of different choices from a young age, it was very hard. Not that it was impossible, but it was very difficult in the future to be able to get the cat or the kitty to switch brands. Well, and and I think that if veterinarians, when we see that kitten at eight weeks of age, and we say, listen, this is a highly, potentially highly addictive personality to certain flavors of foods. So we want to create nutritional diversity really early on. And here's how we're going to do that. Just educating cat parents about the fact that their cat is totally different than their previous dogs and that we do need to work at not creating dry food kibble junkie addicts. And here's how we're going to do it. Here's how we're going to monitor weight. Here's how we're going to get them desensitized with fear-free methods of touching the mouth so we can begin addressing teeth by, by three or four months of age. Part of this is just a lack of education. There's a breakdown in the education system from the get-go. So part of it is just repatterning a proactive mindset in cat owners. Well, I, I actually, I want to ask you guys this, then what do you do if somebody doesn't get a cat at eight weeks old? They don't get a kitten and they adopt a senior you know, I have weaned 14 year old rescued kitties off of their addictive dry food kibble and onto better quality food. So does it take nine months? Sometimes it does, but your kitty has to eat. You either got to choose healthier foods or keep them on poor quality foods. But because we do understand the psychology of cats, there are things we can be doing on a daily basis to either form better habits or to continue down the same monotonous habit that eventually will not end in creating ultimate health for our cats. Part of it is shifting our mindset and helping to empower cat parents to understand that they do have choices. That's one of the reasons I love what you're doing is you're empowering cat owners to become advocates and not just advocates for fun and cute memes. Yes. Yeah. Well educated. You know, I'll say keeping, keeping on the topic of addiction, there was a study done for manufacturers showing that the shape of the kibble. Now there's been studies before showing how critical the shape the shape of the kibble for a cat. They were showing there's hard science behind it. There's hard science behind it. Now there's previous studies showing, okay, triangle versus circle versus versus X's versus versus squares and the preferences for cats. The last study that I just read that just came out a few weeks ago was they were just shaving off ends of these pieces of, of kibble. So like it literally would go from like an octagon to like a hexagon, like not dramatic changes, but dramatic to the cat. Oh. The cat was like, are you kidding me? You've changed the shape of this and now you want me to try That's this? they're connoisseurs. I mean, oh, yes. it, this this is why, just to see that global study where nobody tried shifting food for cats, like mm-hmm. it being zero was so disheartening. But I feel like there needs to be more education for pet parents to say, hey man, look, this could take a week. This could, this could take a day. It could take a week. It could take 10 years, but you will see light at the end of the tunnel if you're improving uh, sort of your cat's environment and you stick to your guns. It's really important. You know, you're talking about dog training, for example. They say it's, what is it, like 50% is training the owner, something yeah. like that. Why isn't that the same for cats? Yes. Why aren't they getting the same sort of recognition 
across the board to what you're talking about in terms of awareness, education, nutritional education. This is why your invent is so important, right? It's sparking the minds of this young generation, Generation Z and these millennials into I didn't know about this research. I also, when I look at studies, especially pertaining to cats, I always look on the bottom. How many times was this clicked on? Mm-hmm. And it, they don't get very many clicks, right? One of those articles that was like recently, one of the least clicked articles, and I was freaking out and you had sent it to me. You might want to talk about it for all the cat lovers that would be watching this was the study on fire retardants and coaches for cats. Oh my gosh. And no one, it, 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 I was blown away. Yeah. By how many people didn't care? So kitties, of course, are little furry swiffers and they're naked and they're swiffing around our house, collecting whatever environmental contaminants are around our house. So if we're big into air fresheners and plugins and we're using the carpet sprinkles and we just bought a flame retardant sprayed bed for our dog or new couch for us. New couch, yeah. Our, our kitties are laying on those surfaces and collecting these phthalates and a whole host of other endocrine disruptive chemicals found in the environment. And they're collected on cats two to three times the level of dogs because kitties, we don't typically bathe. Kitties are grooming and consuming those chemicals. So their internal load of environmental chemicals, they are truly the best environmental sentinels we have for research in terms of what kids are also young kids, toddlers also exposed to. But at least we bathe our kids and we put clothes on them. Cats are literally left with nothing. And that's one of the reasons that I think we're seeing kitties struggle with some of the metabolic diseases that they have as well as kidney and liver issues but we just haven't necessarily connected the the dots to the environment that they're living in in terms of toxin load yeah there's there it is right there this physics.org flame retardant may cause hyperthyroidism in cats so you know 50 years ago the incidence of hyperthyroidism was one in 200 kitties now it's one in 10 yeah one in 10 and no one's no one's asking why is that so you buy this brand new couch all cats are laying on the couch you have no idea it's been sprayed with fire retardants your cat's hyperthyroidism chances have just multiplied tenfold but there's these small little hacks that you can do at home to protect your cats but how many cat owners clicked on that article? How many people clicked on that article? It was very low. And, and why aren't we reading about it, generally speaking? Yeah. If kitties are you know, walking around with four times the environmental endocrine disruptors of the average human, why aren't we talking about that? I think you know one of the challenges that we face right now more, or I should say right meow, more than any other time, is that is how do you cut through the noise? Everybody is doing everything online now. Yeah. And how do you cut through that and get people the information they need for a better lifestyle for themselves, for their animals, you know, and for the planet as a whole, you know? I mean, how do you package that? And this is part of the reason I created CatCon was that because I have all this kind of information and I'm putting it into this place, this platform, online or in real life, where you can come together with fellow cat lovers and you can talk, you can commune, you can learn, and you can have fun all at the same time. And I think that what you are doing in terms of uniting people Uh with the focus on cats is such a great way to build awareness and community at the same time. So Susan, I know that aside from CatCon, which is a huge passion, and then of course you have the Cat Art Show, which is massive, but you're doing something that's pretty cool, and I've listened to a couple of your episodes. You started a podcast. Tell our audience about your podcast. 
Yeah, so I started this podcast called Let's Get For Real, um, which is all about cats and dogs in our lives and how they impact our culture. So really, it's an extension of CatCon, but different because so many of our CatConers also have dogs, myself included. I thought, you know, again, there's this crossover of animals and pop culture and information. So the first episode, we talked about the comfort of animals in times of crisis. And then our latest episode was with this photographer named Sophie Gamal who is based out of New York, who started photographing pit bulls with flower crowns. And that was born from her fear of, of, of dogs. She had a bad experience as a child. But to tackle that fear and to really change the perception, the negative connotation, again, of an animal that could be very much misunderstood, pit bulls, she started putting flower crowns on them. And she's gotten hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pit bulls adopted over the past few years just by that simple act of making them look from what many people consider to be a villain into this sweet, docile, beautiful creature. Susan Michaels, it's always awesome to talk to somebody that's centered in the cat world, somebody like yourself. Where can people find you if they want to find out more about all the things that you're doing? People can get more information about me and CatCon at catconworldwide.com. We have CatCon from your couch happening October 10th and 11th. Tickets are 20 bucks. We have tons and tons of celebrities, tons of content, tons of kitties. $5 of every ticket will go to help charities in need across the world. And it'll be a good kitty kitty time. Thank you so much for thank joining us. We love everything that you're doing. As always, thank you so much for watching the Mind Jam podcast, and we'll see you guys again.